Hello, this is Peggy Joyce Ruth. Welcome to our podcast and hope you enjoy this teaching. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 2. Have you ever had a scripture that just began to rise up in your spirit and you knew it was the Holy Spirit? Now, I can remember the spot where we were on the Country Club Road when all of a sudden this scripture in Revelation chapter 2 just began to loom up in my spirit. And as soon as I got home, boy, I just dashed into the house and got my Bible. Now, I was familiar with this scripture, but I wanted to see the exact wording because I knew God was trying to tell me something. And so in Revelation chapter 2, I began to read, and it says, To the angel of the church at Ephesus write. Now, Ephesus was not a carnal church. This was not a church like Corinth. Ephesus was a church to which Paul was able to write some of his deeper revelation. So this was being written to a very mature church, not to young Christians. And he said, verse 2, I know your deeds, I know your toil and perseverance, that you cannot endure evil men. You've put to test those who call themselves apostles and they're not. You found them to be false. You have perseverance. You have endured for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Okay, now that's a pretty good introduction. They discerned good and evil. They chose good for themselves, and they also required the good. And God said, that's good. They were tenacious. They persevered under trial. They determined not to grow weary in well-doing. But then he goes on to say in verse 4, But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Now, he wasn't saying that they had turned away from Christ. He wasn't saying that they had walked away and renounced the name of Jesus. He was just simply saying that Christ no longer occupied the place of young first love. He said, you've left that first love. Do you remember your first love? You couldn't eat. You couldn't sleep. You couldn't think or talk about anything else. Do you remember that? Okay, this actually happened. This missionary friend was visiting in the home of a pastor, and the young son of the pastor was about 20, and so he was eating with them that night, and after dinner, the missionary asked the young man, he said, how long have you been in love with Mary? And his face turned real red, and he said, what makes you think I'm in love with Mary? And he said, well, we've been at the table for an hour and a half, and you haven't talked about anything else. <laughs> okay, that's exactly what we're talking about. That is the mark of first love. And John was saying here, you've left your first love. You've left that place where you can't eat and sleep and think and talk about much else. You've left that place. Now, I believe that this Bible study is one to be taken very personally and very individually by each one of us so that we can do some soul searching. Now, I want you to think back to a time in your life when you had a life-changing experience with the Lord. Now, it might be your salvation experience, but probably something more recent. I want you to think about something where in recent times where you just had this brand new, fresh touch from the Lord. Now, do you remember how it felt like the excitement of a young first love? You can compare it to that. I've had several encounters with God when I just felt like I was just in this little cocoon of peace, almost separated from the rest of the world. And it felt so wonderful just to know that God had everything in my life under control. And it was like I could almost feel his arms around me just kind of holding me up close. And I know you've experienced that. 
Remember the times when maybe you've been in a crowd and you could just almost feel yourself smiling on the inside because it was like you had this secret because you knew that God was right there with you. And even though the room's crowded and you've got a lot of people around, you're just smiling. You're almost laughing on the inside because you think, oh God, it's so good to know you're just right here with me. You never leave me. Even in a crowded room, you're here and I can hear you and talk to you and it just feels so good. Okay, see, the sense of God's presence was so near and so sweet, kind of like an invisible, precious companion. And nothing else in the world mattered except that close companionship. Even our problems at that time seemed so small in comparison because of God's provision. We knew He was going to take care of us, and it was so real. And even when we awoke in the middle of the night, we could feel His presence all around us. And at that time, if you'll remember, there was absolutely nothing too big. There was nothing too earth-shaking or there was nothing too difficult for God. It was like we were just floating along on a cloud with God because we could just feel His presence so close. And I can remember during those times that I thought I could tackle any problem that came along. And, you know, you wanted everyone to know what you were experiencing. Everywhere you went, you told somebody about how good it was to be with the Lord. Now that must have been what the songwriter was feeling when he wrote that little chorus that most of you know. It's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling in my soul. I'm singing, I'm laughing since Jesus made me whole. Folks don't understand it, and boy, sometimes they don't. Nor can I keep it quiet. It's bubbling, 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 bubbling day and night. I can remember singing that song and thinking, Lord, there's not another song in the world that expresses what it feels like to just feel the closeness and the nearness to God. And I can remember thinking that I didn't want to leave the house without my Bible. That just felt so secure. If you'll remember, just have your Bible tucked under your arm and have it right with you. And I was constantly using my Bible markers to mark the latest scripture that just popped off the page. And everybody was sharing what God had done. And you remember how it felt to do that and to awaken in the middle of the night and just reach over to the nightstand and touch the Bible. It just made you feel good. Or maybe take it and hold it up against you. It was so good. It was the physical sense of God's presence that was so near and so real. Now, some of you guys had your own unique way of experiencing the nearness of God. Maybe the women do it a little bit differently, but however it was, you remember how it affected you, and it was good. It was real. Well, I believe that God is speaking to us today, and I believe to some extent He's saying that we've left the freshness of that young first love that we had when we encountered the Lord so real and so sweet. And I believe that God is speaking to each one of us to say, I'm calling you back to that fresh young love, that fresh first love. He's saying to each one of us, I want that spark to stay alive on the inside of you. I don't want it to tone down. I want that spark to stay alive. Now, moving away from our first love can be compared to a marriage that's grown just a little bit complacent. Now, I'm not talking about a marriage that's on the rocks or one that's ready for divorce. I'm talking about one that has just begun to take each other for granted. One that's just lost a little bit of its sparkle. One maybe that has quit sitting in front of the fireplace holding hands just because they want to be together. Well, that's what our relationship to God can be compared to when it begins to lose its sparkle. You know, we're just not sitting there and holding hands with the Lord in front of the fireplace and just enjoying being in His presence. And the Lord began to ask me the question, what happens to a marriage when it's lost its spark? 
So I began to think about that. I've done enough marriage counseling to know that when the spark is gone, one of two things is going to happen. Number one, either that couple is going to do something about it and change that, or else they may go on living together, but very gradually they'll start moving apart. Because see, it never stays the same. It's either going to go up or down depending on what that couple does or doesn't do. They're either going to make the effort to put the spark back in the marriage or they're just going to gradually start growing apart. Now for the marriage that chooses to do something about it, they're either going to go to counseling or maybe they're going to begin to read a book on mending marriages or maybe they'll listen to a video on how to put the spark back into the marriage. Maybe the man will begin to read a book like Maximize Manhood or Do Yourself a Favor, Love Your Wife. And, or maybe the wife will start reading a book like You Can Be the Wife of a Happy Husband. Maybe they'll have a once a week date and start learning how to verbally express their appreciation to each other. But the point is, if they decide to do something, there's going to be some steps they're going to have to take to put that spark back in the relationship for life to begin to flow back into that marriage. Something's going to have to happen because that spark's not going to rekindle itself. Okay, in the same way, there are some steps that can be taken to put that spark back in our first love relationship with the Lord. And I felt like the Lord gave me three very simple steps to start putting that spark back into our first love. And when I first thought about it, I thought, Lord, these just sound so simple. But the Lord reminded me, he said, if you did all three of those things, don't you think the spark would be back burning bright as ever? And I thought, yes, Lord, that's all it would take. So these three steps now, if they're done from the heart, can bring life back into your relationship every single time. Now, the number one way to put the spark back into our love walk with God is that personal, intimate time with God. Now, sometimes we hear that so often that we fail to hear it. We hear all the time, oh, we just need to spend intimate time with the Lord. But I want you to really hear it because that is a must in order to put the spark back. Now, like anything else, we have to guard against its becoming ritualistic. Now, a ritual is something that you do, but your heart's not in it. Have you ever done something just because you knew it was the thing to do, but your heart wasn't there? Okay, it's possible to keep having our time alone with God, but our heart not be in it. We just do it because it's the thing to do. We get up, and we read our Bible, and we have a little prayer time, and we take off. Well, that's really not going to put the spark back in like it should. One thing, though, that can keep it from becoming just a ritual is when we realize that God sincerely wants to have time alone with us. The first time it dawned on me that God wanted to be alone with me and wanted to have intimate fellowship time with me, all of a sudden, everything inside of me changed. It wasn't my trying to just find a time to get along with God. I thought, God wants to be with me. He wants to have that time with me. You know, if you'll think about it, when you know that your mate wants to be alone with you and wants to have time with you and spend time with you, then everything in you wants to be with your mate. You want to make time. You want to have time to be with them. Well, it's the same way with God. Anytime we know that the Father wants to be with us, He wants to fellowship with us, He wants to not only hear us speaking to Him, but He wants to speak to us. He wants to tell us how much He loves us. That does something to us in our spirit, man, to make us want to be there, want to be with Him. Some of you may have never stopped to realize that God wants to be with you. 
And some people think, oh, I can't believe that. I can believe that he wants to have fellowship time with so-and-so because they're really close to the Lord. They're always doing things for him. But I can't believe that he wants to have fellowship time with me because who am I? I've done so many things wrong. I've messed up so many times. Surely he's not going to want to be with me. And some people feel so unworthy that they really can't believe that from God. But I want us to realize that He does want that time with us. We are His creation. Each one of us are His individual creations. When He sees me, He made me. He knows me. He knows me intimately, and He wants to have fellowship time with me because He made me. Each one of you, He made you individually, and He loves you, and He wants to spend fellowship time with you simply because you are His creation. And he knows you intimately, and he wants to spend that kind of time. Now, this number one is a must if we want the spark back in our love walk. Practice using your alone time to get close to God. You know, all of us have times when we're driving in the car alone, or maybe we're out walking, or we're doing dishes, or whatever it is that you're doing by yourself. Practice bringing yourself to the place where you start worshiping and enjoying the Father during those times. You know, it may be that you're singing to him, or maybe it's just that you're pouring your heart out to him to tell him some things that are really heavy on your heart. Or maybe it's just to tell him how much you love him. Or maybe it's just to be still and just sense the nearness of his presence. Now, it may even feel awkward at first if you've gotten out of the habit, but it's worth anything it takes to renew the habit. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 5. Now, I've never really enjoyed the genealogies in the Bible, but even the genealogies, since they are anointed, they can speak truth to us. Now, this genealogy covers from the time of creation clear to the flood. So we're covering quite a bit of time here, about a thousand years. And I want you to notice that it starts in verse 3 by saying that Adam lived. Look on down verse 7. Seth lived, and on down in verse 12, Kenan lived, and down on verse 18, it says that Jared lived. But when you come to verse 22, it says that Enoch walked with God. Okay, this was not said about any of the others, clear from Adam all down through the generations. But in verse 24, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch was translated. He was raptured. He got so close to God that he just went on to be with the Lord. Now, these two scriptures are all that we know from the Old Testament about the life of Enoch. But these two short scriptures tell us everything we need to know. They tell us volumes about this man's life. In fact, even in the New Testament, we find that the New Testament writer, you can look it up later in Hebrews 11 verse 5, but he includes Enoch in the Hebrew Hall of Faith. When you look it up, you'll find that it says, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not even see death. In other words, he didn't die. He was raptured. It says that he was not found because God took him up, for he obtained the witness that before he was taken up, he was pleasing to God. Okay, we don't have many scriptures in the Bible. Why was he pleasing to God? He was pleasing to God because he walked with God. He had that intimate time with God. That's what made him pleasing. That's what makes us pleasing. It's not all the things that we do. And, and yes, we are going to be working in the kingdom and that's pleasing to God. But the first thing that God wants from us is that time where we just fellowship with the Father, where we allow him to love us and we love him back. 
And that's what made Enoch pleasing, and that's what makes us pleasing. He kept his first love fresh and alive with God because he walked with God. Now that's what it means to have fellowship time with God. And God wants our time with him to be new every morning. He wants it to be from the heart. He doesn't want it to be a ritual. Every time you go into that time with the Lord or you spend that alone time with him, just begin to say, Lord, I thank you that this is going to be fresh and new, new time with you. And that's what keeps life then flowing into that love walk. That's what the spark is. It's life. It's that life that's flowing through that fellowship. Okay, the number two step is to learn to trust God. When we first had our spiritual encounter with God, oh, I tell you what, we were trusting Him for everything. It didn't matter how big the mountain was, our feet weren't even touching the ground anyway. We were so excited about every little thing that God was doing, and we were so much in love that there was nothing too big for Him. If you'll remember, your faith at that time was very simple. It was very childlike. Now, trust was just second nature because it's very easy to trust someone with whom you are intimately associated. See, it's easy to trust somebody that you're walking with every day. Every time you walk with them and talk with them, goodness, when something comes up, you can trust them because you've been with them all the time. And while I was writing this Bible study, I began to question, Lord, how on earth did we lose that childlike trust? I know we haven't lost it completely, but many of us have moved away from it a little bit. And how did we do that? How did we get away from something that is so good? And the Lord began to show me that as time moved on and as circumstances and situations began to present themselves, He showed me that we got back into the old habit of taking care of things ourselves by the arm of flesh the way we were accustomed to doing before. And then little by little, those old self-sufficient habits began to creep back in. Have you noticed that you do that at times? You know, that happens sometimes without our even noticing it until we just find ourselves back in charge of our own life. See, that old flesh nature wants to be in charge. And if we're not careful, just gradually, little by little, we start taking hold of the reins until we become in charge again. And then instead of taking the time to quote the word when a situation comes and stand up and take the word of God and say, no, I'm not going to put up with that. The word of God says thus and so. And instead of determining that we're going to trust God to see it through, it became easy and it became comfortable to try to take care of things ourselves. See, it's so easy to slip back in that comfort zone. Now, not that it worked. We had a lot of heartaches and a lot of failures, but it became the quick, easy thing to do. See, it's very comfortable to do our own thing. Now, as I was praying about that, I thought, Lord, it really wasn't done out of rebellion. It just was done out of the very subtly, that old habit, and it just slipped back in. And as we began then to take care of more and more things by the arm of flesh, We forgot the sweetness of what it was like when we were trusting and relying on God completely for every little thing. See, it's easy to forget those things. And the more we relied on self, the more complicated life became. And so the more complicated life became, the less time we had to mentally and emotionally think about God. And so it finally just became a vicious circle that we had slipped into. Now, the same thing happens to a marriage, and especially in a marriage where there's two imperfect vessels with old habits on which to fall back. 
Now, I've seen this happen over and over. A couple will get married and they're so much in love and the wife runs to her husband for every little thing and he's always there and he's so excited to take care of things for her. And then for various reasons, they both get busy and it seems to be quicker and easier then sometimes for the bride to fall back to some of those old habits of self-dependence making her own decisions and kind of doing her own thing. And she becomes less dependent upon that husband. And many times that's okay with him because that's one less thing he has to take care of because he's busy too. So they just gradually began to move apart. But the Lord says, I wasn't the one that moved. He said, I didn't move. I've been there for you. I'm still in the same place where I was. Now the word love walk and trust walk are synonymous. And God is calling us back into that trust walk. And that's what's going to begin to rekindle that spark, the trusting. Now, one of the very first scriptures that the Lord gave me after I experienced this love walk was Colossians 2, 6 in the Living Bible. Just as you trusted Christ to save you, trust Him now for each day's problems and live in vital union with Him. The first time I read that out of the Living Bible, it just jumped off the page. And I thought, you know, Lord, it was very easy to trust you with my salvation because even by the arm of flesh, I couldn't do anything about that. But he said, just as you trusted me to save you, now trust me for each day's problems. Live in vital union with me. So that's what he's calling us to do, to trust him for every little thing that comes along. Now, this second step, this rekindling our trust, is going to lead us directly back to our love walk. The more we trust, the more we're going to be back in that place of being in a love walk with the Lord. Trust in Him now, today, for everything. Okay, the first step is quality time alone with God without allowing it to become just a ritual. And then, number two, just rid of that self-reliance and come back to that trusting Him. Now, there's really only one way to break that old habit of self-reliance. And that is to come to a place where we say, Lord, I had rather not see it work at all than to have it work because I made it work by the arm of flesh. And the first time the Lord spoke that to me, I thought, ooh, I don't know that I can say that. <laughs> I don't know that I can say that I'd rather it not work at all because there were too many times when I would try to make it work by the arm of flesh. But the Lord kept dealing with me and he said, I want you to come to a place to break that self-reliance. I want you to come to a place where you can honestly say, Lord, I'd rather not see it work at all than to make it work by the arm of flesh. Now that takes a lot of determination and that's a little bit frightening because sometimes we think it's all going to fall apart. But we have to get very brutal with that spirit of self-reliance. And it's so worth the effort because it's one of the ways that leads us right back to the Lord. And the best part about our love walk or our trust walk is the fact that God is always going to be found trustworthy. Every single time. You're never going to get out on a limb from trusting in God's Word. Find out that He's not here. You never will. Jeremiah 1.12, he says, I'm watching over my word to perform it. He said, if you'll just trust me, just choose to believe my word. He said, I'm watching over my word and I will perform it. And of course, it goes without saying that if we love him and if we trust him, then we're going to be obedient. Okay, the number three way back to rekindling this love walk. The Lord showed me that what put the strain on our love walk and pulled us away in the first place were the worries and the cares. Have any of you had any worries and cares lately, any heaviness that you've been carrying? 
Okay, I want you to think about it. What pulled you away from your love walk with the Lord was probably not some deep, dark sin that seduced you back into the world. Probably it was a worry and a care that started making you feel very oppressed and very heavy laden. We look around and we see that there's more to do than we have time to do. And so what do we do? We get uptight. We get very tense and uptight. Sometimes it seems that we have so many more bills and we have money to pay those bills. And again, we get so uptight. And as those pressures come in, we feel oppressed and we feel heavy laden. Now, I'm not minimizing the importance of doing spiritual warfare to take care of the harassment of the enemy. But have you noticed that there are legitimate things that do have to be done in a day? Not everything's coming from the enemy. There's a lot of things that we just have to take care of, and they're legitimate. And those legitimate things can bring pressure. So what about just the daily things that are necessary? When they become worries and cares and tend to rob our love walk. Well, God has an answer, and sometimes His answers seem so simple, but they do work. The Lord reminded me that during those times when my love walk was really fresh and, and alive, when it was at its optimum, that I was appreciative about every little thing. That was one of the things that the Lord brought back to me. He reminded me that I noticed every tiny little intervention when He would intervene in my life. And boy, I would just rejoice and I'd get so excited and I would acknowledge it. I even kept a diary and wrote down every little thing that the Lord was doing and I could hardly wait to call up somebody and tell them the latest thing that God had done. I can remember that that was the main topic of conversation. I mean, you'd call somebody and it wasn't what the worry and care was, it was what God had done. But you know, as time went on and the pressures and the worries and cares and the distractions came in, then all of a sudden that tension and that pressure began to mount little by little. Even though we were still appreciative, we were not always taking the time to notice every little incident when God intervened. And we were not rejoicing and being excited like we once were. We weren't taking the time to share all those blessings or get before God and, and take the time to recall them one by one in thanksgiving. I love that song, count your many blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord's done. You know, as we get before the Lord and we begin to count the blessings and just send them back to God. Father, I just thank you for this and this and this. And finally, an hour goes by and you you've just begun. But what that does, all of a sudden, it begins to put the spark back in our love walk. Now, because of the pressure, we're in a rush. And what we do now most of the time, as we're hurrying on our way, we sort of look back over our shoulder and say, oh, Lord, thank you for what you're doing. But we're in a hurry. We're not taking the time. We just allow ourselves to get too busy and too preoccupied and distracted. And God is saying, come back to your first love. Come back to those days of simple appreciation. Begin to just be grateful to me for all the little things that I'm doing in your life. And you know, sometimes we think, well, I can't even think of anything God's doing. But anytime we think that, it's because we're uptight and we're under tension and we're under stress. But if we'll go back before the Lord and start naming the things He's done, all of a sudden it all comes back. It's almost like the enemy tries to give us amnesia. We can't even remember some of those things until we get back to that time of spending time with the Lord. And He wants us to give Him credit again verbally for the good things that are coming our way and all the little miracles that He's doing. He wants us to practice a lifestyle of gratitude. 
That's one of the things that the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He said, I want you to have a lifestyle of gratitude. Now, just about the time that I felt like the Lord was reminding me of the importance of appreciation, I can remember that I was standing in front of the den window and I was looking out the patio door and I felt like God was speaking all these things to me. Now, this is not going to sound very significant, but I want you to hear the dynamics. Out of the window, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a little covey of quail. There were about 15. And they were walking across the yard. Now, if you've ever seen a little covey of quail walking in a line, their little heads just kind of bob back and forth, and they are so cute. And I remember when I saw that, I turned away from them because I didn't want them to divert my attention away from what God was trying to tell me. And I felt impressed that God was trying to show me something, and boy, I didn't want to miss it. So I thought, I don't want this to distract. So I turned away. I subconsciously didn't want to allow myself to enjoy that because I didn't want to miss God. And all of a sudden, it was like the Lord began to impress me. I gave you that. I brought that covey of quail. That's the message I'm trying to put across to you. And God was saying, I give you blessings and I give you enjoyable things all the time and I want you to recognize them and take the time to enjoy them and then tell me about it. Tell me how much you enjoy it. And so God spoke to me through that little covey of 15 quail. And all of a sudden I looked and I thought, God, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. And I sat there and watched them for a long time as they played out there in the yard. And I thought, oh God, thank you. And that was the message. That's what God was trying to tell me. And he's wanting to remember all those little things that used to thrill us and bless us and, and used to make us excited. And he wants us to take the time to enjoy it and then take the time to tell him thank you. Now there was a time that I would stop anything to enjoy every little thing that God was doing. And I remember the peace that I enjoyed then, the peace that I sometimes lose now because I get so busy with the worries and cares of this world. You know, right after I went through deliverance, I had gotten hold of God's peace for the first time in a long time, and I wouldn't have turned loose of it for anything in the world. You know, it didn't matter how stressful the situation. The peace was so precious. It was the most wonderful thing that I possessed. And so often I would wake up in the morning and I would just lie there and just bask in that peace and just soak it up. My eyes would fill with water and boy, I'd get a catch in my throat and I couldn't even speak because that peace was so wonderful and I was so grateful to God for it because it had been so long since I had experienced that. Now, it was during those times that no one could have ever made me believe that we would have ever turned loose of that peace for even a moment because it was so precious. And the newfound joy that made us just want to sing all the time. You know, I can't sing well, and, and I certainly read music, and I can't play an instrument, but I was always writing songs. I kept a notebook of all these songs. Now, this is important. This I really want you to hear, because I felt like God showed me that one of the ways that we can come back more quickly into this love walk and rekindle this first love is through singing songs to the Lord. And I know some of you are thinking, but I can't sing. Well, I couldn't either. It didn't matter. It really doesn't matter what our voice sounds like. The songs that we sing to God are so very important. All you have to do is just open your mouth and sing to God what's on your heart. That's all it takes. Open your mouth and sing to God whatever it is that's on your heart. And I know 
One day when I was wanting a love walk with the Lord so badly, and I just said, oh God, I want a love walk more than I want anything else. And all of a sudden, this song just started coming out. And I brought the words. I'm going to do something that I, <laughs> I hadn't intended to do, but this is so important. I want to know what I'm talking about now. When you get before the Lord, whatever it is, then just began to sing it. And when I was there before the Lord, we were out in the yard, I just began telling the Lord what I wanted. Lord, I desire a love walk with you. Lord, I desire a love walk with you. To see your face, to hear your voice, to feel your fond embrace. Lord, I desire a love walk with you. You just tell him what you want. Lord, I desire to do what I see the Father do. Just sing the word to him. That's what Jesus said. Whatever I do, it's what I've seen the Father do. Apart from you, I can do nothing to walk with you, to talk with you, to feel your presence sweet around me. Tis all I need to seek for the rest will all be added to me see he says when we seek his presence when we seek the kingdom when we seek his righteousness then it'll all be added to us and you'll find yourself just singing the words all of a sudden a scripture that you heard last week will just start coming out i love walk i love walk that's all i search and see to find, I'll draw near to you, you'll stay close to me, sweet Jesus so divine, Lord, I desire a love walk with you. I can't tell you what it's going to do for you. That was hard for me to do, but the reason that I, I felt like I needed to go ahead and do it is to let you know that when you do that, it's going to lift you out of the physical into the supernatural. There's something about it. I cannot explain it, but there's something about singing it that will do even more for you than being able to say it. There was one day I was up in, and I was cleaning the bathroom tile. And I was just crying out to God for a relative. And I just started singing that request. And all of a sudden, I started singing the promises that God made to me for that relative. And after that, every time I prayed for that person, it was that song that was coming out. And I never again had any problems believing God or having faith. When I sang that song that God gave me and the words came out, all of a sudden I knew that I knew that that person was coming in. And they did. They're serving God today. God doesn't care how we sound. It's going to be beautiful to Him. But more than that, it's what it does for us. It doesn't really, I don't think it tells us in the Word of God that David had a beautiful voice. I've never found in the Word of God where it says that his voice was beautiful. But he opened his mouth and he sang to God what was on his heart. If the enemies were coming after him, that's what he sang. God, deliver me from my enemies. Whatever it was, and they were anointed because it was coming up out of his spirit. You're going to find out that when you sing a song to the Lord, it's going to be anointed because it is coming up out of your heart. 
Those songs will come out of joy of a first love relationship. And what they'll do, they'll bring hope, just like a breath of fresh air. And God is saying to us that that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to come back to that simple appreciation. And he said, tell me you appreciate me in every conceivable way. Appreciate me for all the little things. Things like the time when I get ready to leave town and I've been doing all these stops and I'm ready to leave out and God reminds me that I had one more item that I forgot at the grocery store. And he said, remember things like that and appreciate me that I jogged your memory so you didn't have to drive back into town. He reminded me to stop and appreciate the time when Luann and I ran out of gas coming back from Stephenville. And the moment we ran out of gas, he had a man right there to pick us up and take us to Gary's house so that we could get gasoline. He said, I want you to realize that I was there. I took care of that. Now, if we're not rejoicing in the Lord, if we're not enjoying the presence of the Lord every moment, then when those harassing things happen, like running out of gas, we're going to succumb to the pressure of being late and we're going to be frustrated and we're going to get into irritation and it's going to dampen the joy of God's love and God's provision for us. Now I want you to notice the difference of the effect that it has on your attitude between these two statements. What on earth is going to happen next? Okay, I want you to think how you feel that way and then how it feels when you say, oh God, I thank you that you're going to take care of this need. I don't know how, but you're going to do it. See the difference? Okay, a fresh love walk is going to say, oh God, thank you for your provision. But a love walk that has begun to grow just a little bit cold is going to say, oh God, what next? And to rekindle that love walk, when we're tempted to say, oh God, what next? We're going to have to say, Lord, thank you for what you're doing. You know, sometimes we fall for the frustration and the anger simply because we're angry at ourselves. You know, we'll do something foolish and, and we'll be irritated at ourselves. But God says, even that robs you from appreciating me for the fact that I give you blessings when you don't even deserve those blessings. And he wants us to thank him for that. Learn to voice your appreciation for that extra little bit of money that you find in the bottom of your purse when you're at the grocery store and you don't have quite enough money to check out. And all of a sudden you dig down the bottom and you find several quarters and it's just enough to finish paying your bill so you can leave out. You know, there was a time when we saw that as a marvelous blessing. But as time has gone by, what we've done, it's gotten easier many times to get uptight over the fact that, oh no, I'm out of money. Rather than, oh God, I thank you that you gave me exactly what I needed to be able to pay myself out. As the high cost of living has gone up year after year, many times we've allowed that to rob the blessing of seeing how God has provided. Listen, he's still providing today, and things may cost 10 or 12 times more today than they did 10 years ago, but he's still providing. You know, the fact that costs have gone up has not kept him from being our Jehovah Jireh. Elijah would have been in big trouble during that three-year famine if he had failed to see God as his Jehovah Jireh, or if he had complained about what he didn't have rather than being appreciative to God for that oil and the widow and, and the meal that never ran out. See, God wants us to look at what he's doing for us. Jack is always saying that if we look back at all the crisis that we've been through, we'll realize, well, we wouldn't be here today if God hadn't brought us through them. All we have to do when we look at a new crisis is say, God, I've been there, you've brought me through, I'm here today, and you're going to do it again. 
I can remember years ago when we were coming home from Tulsa and we stopped in front of a large hotel in Dallas to pick up Mama Olga from the prison ministry in Manila, Philippines. And for no apparent reason, the tube inside of the tire blew out right there in front of the big hotel. Then after we had gotten back on the road, the spare tire that we mounted threw all the rubber off between Dallas and Fort Worth. And I can remember the Lord really getting my attention with this question. He said, how do you see that incident right now compared to how you would have seen it when your love walk with the Lord was all fresh and new and exciting? He said, you know, when your love walk was all fresh and exciting, you would have been so excited and so joyful over the fact that the tube blew out right there parked in the driveway rather than when you were going 65 miles an hour down the freeway. He said, do you have the same joy and appreciation or did the fact that you had to unload everything out of the back end of the car and you lost all that time and you were embarrassed that it happened in front of that fancy hotel, did that override your joy and your excitement? See, God was saying, are you appreciative that the tire just threw its rubber instead of having a blowout on the freeway? He said, are you appreciative that I had you repair that tube? that had blown out before you left Dallas so you didn't find yourself on the freeway with a flat tire and no spare? Or did the fact that you had to unload the car again and change another tire rob you of your joy and your appreciation? See, do you follow what God's getting to where he's trying to lead us? When our love walk with God is fresh and alive, we see miracles every single day. Now, whether we grumble or whether we see the blessing, no matter how subtle the blessing may be, that is going to tell us volumes about where we are in our love walk. When our love walk is fresh and alive, everything is going to look hopeful and exciting. When our plans fall apart, do we panic or do we just stop and say, God, I thank you, you have something else. <laughs> You're going to take me another route. See, God is always faithful and a well-cared-for love walk is going to keep us joyful all the time that, that we're going through all these different things. Now, I'm not trying to say that we're so callous that we never appreciate God for anything, but God wants to call us back into such a fresh love walk that we appreciate every little thing. He's saying that's one of the keys for returning to our first love. And we need to learn how to take every pressure and every worry and care and then use that as a barometer to cause us to find something for which we can be appreciative. Now, not only is that going to release the pressure, but it's also going to keep our love and keep that spark back in there. We recently had a house guest from North Carolina, and God used her in such a mighty way in my life as a wonderful reminder. She began to tell me how peaceful our home was, and every time I'd come down, she'd tell me how peaceful the home was. And I thought, you know, Lord, I've been taking that for granted, and I haven't even been telling you thank you for that. And then she went on about the beautiful view that she saw from every window in the house. And I thought, Lord, it's been a long time since I've told you thank you for the view. And it is beautiful. And, and all of a sudden I went back and looked at it again. And then she went out and she petted the animals and she told us over and over what a thrill it was to actually be able to touch and feed those animals. And I thought, oh Lord, and I've been complaining about having to feed those same animals. And she was just excited about everything that I had been taking for granted. And it was so good for me to see her excitement and to hear her gratitude. And what it did, it began to rekindle that appreciation on the inside of me for something that I had been taking totally for granted. Now God's calling us back to that childlike appreciation because it is so important. 
Now later I want you to look up Lamentation 3, 22 and 23 because it tells us that his love and kindness never ceases and that his faithfulness is always there. But what I love about that scripture, it says it's new every morning. It's new every morning. Every time you encounter something coming against you that's new, remember his faithfulness is new too. And it's new to meet it. And he doesn't meet it every third and fifth round. His faithfulness is new every morning. When you read the Psalms that David wrote, you find out it's just one long appreciation. In Psalm 23, David was appreciating God for the green grass and the still waters and the protection. He was appreciating God for the fact that even when he went through the valley of the shadow of death, God was still there and didn't leave him. He appreciated God for filling his cup and anointing his head, and it was just one long appreciation. Now, I don't care whether your needs are being met through a job or through a garage sale or maybe somebody that's giving something to you. God is still the source. He's still the Jehovah Jireh. And he's calling us back to say, Lord, I don't care what channel you use, what vessel you use, it's coming from you. And I want you to know how much I appreciate what you're doing. I was reminded of the little boy who was told to make a list of things that he enjoyed and appreciated. And he put at the top of the list his eyeglasses. And the teacher thought that was a little bit strange because most young boys resent the fact that they have to wear glasses. So she said, what is it you appreciate about those glasses? And he said, I appreciate my glasses because the boys don't hit me and the girls don't kiss me. So I promise you, you can find something in any situation for which to be appreciative. I want you to realize in closing that if the spark has begun to dwindle just a little bit, if life has gone out of your love walk just a little bit, you can put life back in by spending time alone with the Lord without letting it become ritualistic. You can put that spark back in it by coming to a place where you say, Lord, I choose to trust you. I choose to trust you, and I choose to be appreciative of every little thing you're doing. You can take this three-point checklist, and as simple as it sounds, I promise you it'll work. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that you gave us that love walk to begin with. Lord, you could have been a God that... Thank you for listening. Please share this teaching with anyone you think it would minister to. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org.